0: no um as we uh get started i wanted to tell you guys more about you know what me and katie saw as leaders uh, one thank you guys as a church um for praying uh, and giving because as you know camp's expensive but you guys in your generosity ha- have allowed uh, places and spaces for kids uh to to come and know who jesus is on a deeper level and I, I've seen that throughout the week. I mean, we had, uh, I had me and Kitty had incredible conversations with students. Uh, we, we got to experience worship uh, like some of them have never experienced before. Um, and just one of those things that I would challenge you, if you ever think about doing youth ministry, camp is extremely difficult, but it's extremely rewarding. Uh, raise your hand, has, has anybody ever been to a student camp as a leader? Raise your hand if you've been to as a leader. a leader. The, the few, the proud, you know, um, but it, I mean, when we were five hours in Clinton, South Carolina, I actually took their phones uh, at several points, and one, one student told me this morning, he's like, yeah, my screen time was down, like, 50%, <laughs> like, it's probably a good thing, you know, um, but it's just one of those things that, like, gave them space to be with each other. It gave them space away from the world that they live in to be around other believers that they may not be around at all. And seeing one of the most powerful moments is was the worship. I mean, the worship was incredible. Um, but seeing that hundreds of students lift their hands to the Savior singing his praises will always give me chills. And we had students doing that. We had students running up to the front. For some reason, our, can- our students got on stage quite often compared to the other ones. Yeah. Desmond snored. Uh, Ella danced. Khan did trivia. Um, wait, what did you Oh yeah, you were on the stage for trivia. Um, Layton was on Khan's shoulder. If you know Khan, he's like 6'4", and Layton ended up being what he always dreamed to be of 6'12". Uh, and uh, they had a good time at the beginning. Beginning of the week, I gave them each a word. For some reason, in the first service, I wanted to give them something that meant something to them. And I can go through all the words uh, with you with them. But if you want to know their word, uh, you can ask them. Uh, but it was things like grow, pursue, endure, um, light, fire. And I gave them each a word, and and I wanted them to meditate that on that this week. And it, it was just a powerful time of like, we are a small youth group and we, we did all of it together. Usually it's like split up, but we were all together all the time. I'm pretty sure they got sick of each other. Um, but it was, it was a beautiful thing to see them come to a deeper understanding of Christ. And what I need from you guys as a church is to understand and know that they need prayer. Um, camp highs are a thing. Uh, camp emotions are a thing. But taking it to the next level as a firm foundation rather than a, t- a temporary thing is important. And there's a lot of things that go into that. Um, but if you guys will pray with them and over them, I think it's important. Uh, because like Caleb's, Pastor Caleb said, they are the, the church coming up. And it's important that we do whatever we can uh, to, to help them. My heart, as I'm sure Katie has found out, is, is for the students. Like... I love them, you know, completely and holy. and, and I, my goal is always to see them come to know who Jesus is, and we, we've had a lot of conversations, so just be encouraged by our students, and, and so I just wanted to give you guys that update. So as we um, go into the message today, the, the title is The Art of Preparation. The Art of Preparation, and it's funny, uh, before we even get to the scripture. When you preach on something, God usually tests you in that thing. And I will tell you, this is the least prepared I've ever felt for a message. Uh, there's a lot of stuff. I, I tried to do it throughout camp. You know, I tried to, yesterday was a long day that I'll get to um, later, but we are going to um, be reading scripture. And I love that Pastor Caleb has a stand to read scripture. So if you guys will stand, we're gonna be in First Peter 5, 6 through 11. So if you guys will stand in, uh, as we read um, God's, God's word, it's going to be on the screen, and it's 1 Peter 5, 6 through 11. As you're getting there, um, this, is, this is what we're going to be talking about today, and it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him, because he cares about you. Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. To him be dominion forever. Amen. You guys can be seated. So the title is The Art of Preparation. And the first point I have for you is preparation helps soften the blow. Uh, preparation helps soften the blow. We're going to be talking about this idea of preparation today. Um, one of the things that I wanted to just let you guys know is like as you prepare in your life, it helps soften the blow. Um, does, anybody, has anybody, does anybody like needles in here, like, like giving blood or like getting pricked with needles? Is, it, is anybody terrified of needles? people are terrified. See, like, it never bothered me. In college, I actually had to, I was broke. And so, me and Todd actually gave plasma uh, to earn money. got like 40 bucks a pop. It was great. As a college student, that's all you needed. And so, we would go in there for an hour. They would stick you with a needle. And I, I would watch them stick me with a needle, just because I thought it was interesting. Um, and so, we would sit there. The, the blood would come out. They would uh, Uh, spin it, so the plasma would separate from the blood, and they would put the blood back in you. It was the weirdest thing. And at the end, they would put saline back in you, and that's where I really found out that that's where ice ice in my veins comes from, because it is cold when that goes back in. So you got ice in your veins uh, from that. But one of the things I learned is, like, when you prepare for things, it makes it a lot easier. Uh, When I was talking to the nurse, they said that if you drink a ton of water, your veins swell up, so it's easier to stick. I was like, Never knew that, you know? And then obviously they always tell you like not to tense your muscles because it's harder for them to find a vein. And so like as you prepare for things to come, it makes it a little bit easier. It's the same thing, kind of like the same idea. Um, In World War II there was an operation called Operation Fortitude. Has anybody ever heard of Operation Fortitude? My dad, of course, you know, World War II guy. Um, Operation Fortitude was a, was a, a tactic by the Allies and as, before they uh, stormed the beaches of Normandy, what they would do is they would send inflatable tanks uh, to a different part uh, where they weren't going to invade just to distract and throw off the, the German army. Because they knew if they, they attacked Normandy at the, at the point with, with all Germany's forces, they, they probably wouldn't succeed. And so to help soften the blow, help make them more successful, they, they, employed, um, they, they deployed like fake battles Uh, They did Operation Fortitude, which they would make fake tanks and put them out into the beach and make fake battles. They would drop dummies out of airplanes so the Germans would know, hey, what's going on here? Let's send forces down here. And and what happened was they they diverted their troops more away from uh, Normandy, so when when the attack came, they were more successful. See, preparation helps soften a blow. Peter tries to warn us of this And it gets us to remember this. It says, be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he could devour. Resist him. See, we have to prepare for what's going to come in life. A lot of things will be made easier when you think through what's going to happen and that you have an enemy. See, Psalms 23 tells us, uh, "It's even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And it goes on to say that you you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And so what does that guarantee? It's pretty simple, right? It guarantees that we're going to be walking this life with enemies at and in our life. And Pastor Caleb talked about it a few weeks ago when he talked about the, the temptations and Satan is going to be attacking us. And so, as we continue to remember and, and look forward to what's going to happen, we have to know that enemies are going to be attacking. You are going to be fooled. You're, you're, basically, you're a fool if you think that you're just going to skate through life without Satan attacking you. It's ridiculous to think that. And so, as we, as we think through this, how do we prepare? Well, we have to know who we're fighting. In, in The Art of War, um, I can never get his name right, Sun, Sun Tzu uh, writes this. He's a general of an army, and he wrote a book, The Art of War. And he's talking about, basically, how to prepare for the fights that are coming up. And I have the quote on the screen, and I love this quote. It says, if you know the enemy, and you know yourself, you need not fear the result of 100 battles, if you know yourself, but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle." It's a powerful quote. It's wrote, written for war, but it's, it, I mean, here's what I want you to know. We're in a war whether you realize it or not. And so this is incredibly applicable to our lives. We're in a war whether you know it or not. We often live life in these three states. We, we live in victory. Struggle or, or failure? See, a lot of people in here, they live in failure. You, you're drowning. You, you feel like you, you've given up, and you don't feel like even getting out of bed. You're like, what's the point of getting up anymore or even trying, trying to put on the armor of God because it's just not working for me? And there's a lot of people in this life and people that you know that have already given up on their hopes. They give up all hope that God is for us and not against us. And what I want you to recognize is It is more than likely that you don't know yourself and you don't know the enemy that's attacking you, because God is a good God and He loves you. See, a lot of people live in that failure because they they failed. They feel like they failed so much they can't get up again. We also have people that that live in the struggle space where they feel like they take two steps forward and two steps back, three steps forward, ten steps back. You know, five feet five steps forward, whatever it is. It's because you, you're living this life, you, you may know yourself, but you don't know how the enemy is attacking you. And you haven't done the research and Satan is coming to steal, kill, and destroy, and you just have forgotten that. You live your life like Satan's never gonna attack you, and that's, that's wrong. In the wars that you're fighting, you have to recognize that there's an enemy that's going to attack you. And you have to know how he's gonna attack you so that you can be successful. And then some of us are walking in victory, why? It's not that we're better than anybody else or you're better than anybody else. It's because you've learned how to fight the enemy that's in front of you. And he changes his tactics all the time. And so we, we can go through any of these stages of life where, where some days we feel like we're failure. some days we're struggling, some days we're, we're victorious. But to be more victorious, we have to understand ourselves. Where do I fall? Where do I trip? Where do I get into trouble? Where does temptation get me? We have to understand the enemy. Why is he smarter than me? Why is he? Satan does not get tired, but he does lose? See, you have to determine in your heart and mind today, right now, to prepare for what is to come. As Timothy says, fight the good fight of faith. See, some of these things you have to recognize is how we how we prepare for these things. We pray without ceasing. We actually invest into a church body, or a church group, or a body of believers that can encourage us and and strengthen us. We continue to write on our hearts scripture uh, from the word, because when we look at, uh, we're going to get into this, but as we look at uh, Jesus, he did these things so he could be successful. How dumb are we if we think that we could do something that Jesus didn't do without doing, like, if we... If Jesus did these things, we can't be successful if we just ignore them. See, point number two is preparation keeps you focused. When we focus and prepare ourselves, it's easier to know where we're going. Some of us are wandering around aimlessly without any real effect on people or the next generation because you don't have a purpose in your life. Some of of us just tend to wander around life saying, oh, I'm good with where I'm at. And you have no real effect on anybody else or the next generation. And here's what I'm trying to tell you, is that you, as you're alive and breathing, your job is to have an effect and a, and a positive influence on the people around you and the next generation. It is not for someone else, it's for you. We're created for a purpose. Our ultimate goal in life is to know Jesus and make Jesus known. That is the ultimate objective. That's the ultimate standard. That's the ultimate, like, where we're supposed to be. And so that's our main goal, and how we need to prepare for that mission. And as we prepare for that mission, it keeps us focused. At every stage of your life, Satan's going to do whatever he can to disrupt that. He's going to do whatever he can to distract you from that ultimate objective. It's like, um, as you're driving a car, and you know where you're supposed to go, do you look right over the hood when you're driving? No. Because then you'll, you may miss your turn. You may not see the person stopped in front of you, and you may hit them. You know, something could pop up, and you hit that. See, When you're driving, you look down the road rather than right in front of you. And it's the same thing for our lives. Our focus should be down the road, not right in front of us. Because as we look down the road, our objective is the thing that is, that is what we're supposed to be chasing after. And Satan's going to do everything he can to try and distract you. Let's be honest. Some of you all are easily distractible. You know, ADHD is a real thing. You're reading the scripture, and you're like, I wonder what I'm going to eat for lunch. You know? I say these things because that's what's happened to me. You know? and, but, I mean, Satan could use all these things to distract you. It could be shame. It could be past trauma. It could be health issues of a family or a loved one or even yourself. It could be insecurity, you know, thinking that, you know, I can't do some of these things that God has for me. Or it could be a kid that won't listen, climbs on the table, and jumps off and hurts themselves. I'm telling you, these are not you know, modeled after my life, but they're pretty similar. It could be a selfish co-worker who won't be quiet. It could be the fact that your clothes always seem to get tired, no matter how much you try. And you just wish that there was a simple solution. Or it could be you're afraid to look at your bank account because you you know the depths of what is going to happen if you just look at it and you just feel the weight and the shame of, man, I've made so many mistakes in my life. Or it could just be isolation you feel because you always feel like you're, you have to be the first one to text. You have to be the one to reach out. No one loves you. It could be any of those things. It could be a multitude more, but Satan, his whole goal is to distract us with all kinds of things. And he's good at it. We're so easily distractible. Our focus gets shifted like that. But that's what it says, like, take captive of every thought. See, we have to focus and fixate on Jesus and fix our eyes on the Savior. One of my favorite verses of last year is Hebrews 12 too, and it'll be on the screen. But I love this verse. It says, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, when Jesus was living in Hebrews, it talks about what Jesus focused on. See, it says, for the joy that was laid before him, he endured the cross. See, what I want you to understand is that the cross was not the joy that he, they're talking about. It says, for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross. The joy that he lay before him was the salvation that he was going to provide for everybody after the cross. See, the cross was a pain, but the joy is the salvation that he was going to have, to have a right relation with his children. See, we often focus on the cross that's before us rather than the salvation of our God later on down the road. And this is what I want you to recognize and understand, is that when our focus is on the earthly things that are right in front of us, we often miss the thing that Jesus wants to do with us through those things. We have to prepare to focus on the objective, not the obstacles. And how do we do that? We need to know what truth is, too. Last night, a really smart person told me this, and it's gonna be on the, on the uh, screen if you don't know who the smart person is, it's Katie. <laughs> Just so you know. I'm not going around talking to some random smart people. It's usually Katie. Um, but she said she taught this in a Sunday school. And, and, and it stuck with me. And I wanted to share it. And it says, the more familiar you are with truth, the easier it is to identify the lies. Isn't that significant? The more familiar you are with truth, the easier it is to identify the lies. See, why we fail so much and lose our focus so much is because we're not used to the truth that God is trying to give us. We're not in scripture. We're not in a church body. We're not praying. We're not listening to worship music. We're not doing some of the things that God has instructed us to do. And so when, when something comes, Satan is easily, gets us distracted so easily because we're so used to the lies that he has for us. Instead of soaking up our, our hearts and our minds in truth. The more familiar you are with truth, the easier it is to identify the lies. And she gave me some some analogy that I can't remember exactly how it went, so I'm just going to leave that to her. If you want more about that, just ask her. But prepare yourselves now to focus on the objective rather than the obstacles. And then the last point. Preparation can save your life. Has anybody heard of a, a man named Rick? Riscola, 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 Rick Riscorla. sorry, that's hard to say. Well, his story is incredible, actually. But it begins, he's like one of the chief uh, safety guys uh, for this company. And he, he runs these people through all of these exercises all the time, like fire drills and, you know, what to do in certain situations. And he makes everybody in the building do it. 22 floors of people. Like he makes them all do it. When, when the time comes, everybody, it doesn't matter if you're a CEO or just a visitor, you have to do all these things. And he makes sure you do it because that's his job and that he, he, he found that important. And so he goes through it and he does all these things and people are actually kind of annoyed with him at a time because he's like, why do we always have to do these things? I'm, in a, I'm on a phone call with a business, I'm on a phone call with a client, I need to do this. He's like, no. And he makes them hang up and goes through this process. He took his job seriously. Shortly after the impact of the building, Port Authority calls and says, everybody stay put. Rick knew what he had to do and didn't listen to the message. And he started the evacuation plan that he had already prepared. That everybody in the building knew his, his fire marshals, his floor leaders, all that stuff. They start kicking into action because they knew what to do. So Rick grabs his walkie-talkie. He grabs his bullhorn, and he starts leading people down the stairs, because he knew what to do. He was prepared, and as he's walking down the stairs, he's singing these people's songs because they start to get scared. of, Like, what's going on? I don't know what's happening. You know, what are what's going on? Uh, I don't. Everything's shut off. Power's out. And he's singing these people's songs. He was a Vietnam veteran. And he used to sing these songs in Vietnam uh, to his buddies to help uh, give them peace. And so he's singing songs, talking these people through what he has to do. And as he goes down, he calls his wife. You know, He says, if I don't make it out, I want you to know that um, this is, I'm the happiest I've ever been. I've never been happier. As he reached the bottom and watched the people go out, he recognized that, There were still people left, and so he went, climbed back up. He was last seen on the 10th floor. At 10 o'clock, the tower crashed. And you know what I'm talking about is 9-11. 13 Morgan Stanley employees died on 9-11. But 2,687 employees and 250 visitors survived because of him. Isn't that incredible? I mean, think about that. The poor authority, like, all, all indications said stay there. But he knew exactly what he needed to do. And so he acted, he acted on it. Over 2,700 people are alive today because of Rick. And he sacrificed himself for that. They survived because Rick was prepared. By him doing the work before it was real and difficult, he made a way to save thousands. Here's what I want you to know. There's two things that I want you to know. If we are claim Christ as our Lord and Savior, we need to be preparing people for what's going to happen. We need to be the ricks where we know the, the evacuation plan. We know what's going to happen. We know how to, how to bring people into salvation, and we lead them to that. See, we have a God that has always prepared and always done the things that he needed to do to save his people. Ever since Genesis, when sin came into the picture, man, God started the preparations for a redemptive plan. He said to Eve, the seed of your womb will, will, will stomp on the serpent's head. We see all throughout... The Old Testament of God preparing a way for Jesus so that he can be in right standing with his children again. And see, this is what the gospel is. One night I gave them what the gospel was. Throughout the Old Testament, it pointed to the Messiah, the Savior to come. The preparation that God was putting into his people. And when Christ came, he was born of a virgin. Lived a perfect life. And he, Jesus walked into the wilderness prepared for what was going to happen. He went, he fasted, he prayed, he did the things that he needed to do so that he was prepared for when Satan tempted him. And he stood victorious at the end. He lived a perfect life, died, a, died on the cross of uh, uh, something that we did not deserve, and sacrificed himself for all of us. See, we as Christians know this. But are we leading people in that plan? Are we telling people about you know, the, this guy who, who Jesus is that saved us? See, Jesus prepared a way for us. And I'm gonna kind of end with this thought so if the band will come back up. Jesus prepared a way from us. for us. Christianity is not a sit back and wait religion. I've said that before, but I just want want you to recognize that. Christianity is not a sit-back-and-wait religion. It's a get-up-and-go kind of thing. Jesus has prepared a way for us. See, as we, we live our lives, we have to recognize the things that Jesus has done for us. And those of us who have accepted Christ as our Savior, we are the ones that have to start preparing a way for people so that they can enter in salvation. See. I listened to this song, and I, I, and I loved it. And I, I, It gave all these things, and I, when I was thinking about it, I wanted to read these to you. It said that Jesus is a savior, he's healer, he's a prince of peace, the resurrection of life, the light of the world. And I was thinking on those things like, as Jesus is prepared for us, that, that means that, you know, if Jesus is a savior, it's because we were enslaved. If Jesus is a healer, it's because we were hopelessly broken. If Jesus is a prince of peace, that means there had to have been chaos for him to become peace. If Jesus is a resurrection of life, it's because we are dead in our sins and trespasses. If Jesus is the light of the world, it's because we live in darkness. See, Jesus came and prepared a way for us out of these things because of his great love, not ours not by anything that we did. We don't know when our life is called of us. I was talking about my lack of preparation, and just so you're going to get to lunch early because of my lack of preparation, but I hated it. I hate not being prepared. And I'm not making excuses, but we don't know when our life is called of us. Yesterday, I drove home to Sebring because one of my the guys that helped me come to faith like his generosity he passed away. He was 55. 55. He had a heart attack five months ago and he died while we were at camp. And I drove home And I know he's a believer. But you don't know when your life is called on you. And are you prepared for that calling when it's called on you? See, preparation can save your life. See, we don't know the time or hour that God is going to call us home. We don't. Some of us is closer than others. Ben Collins sat or spoke at his father's funeral. And he said. I didn't know 10 hours from now, I wouldn't have a father. Could you imagine? I wasn't prepared for that. There's things in life that you will never be prepared for, but what I know is that when, when God takes me home, I am prepared for it because I have a salvation uh, secured in who Jesus is. Because when he died on the cross, he said that hell and death is de- defeated forever if you just trust in me. And so from this moment on, the moment when I accepted Christ as my Savior and started living for him, I was prepared for heaven. He made a place for me. And so when I die, I know that I'm going to be in heaven. And I, that's what I want for you guys. It's for you to prepare yourselves to know that there is going to be an end to your life and where you're going to go is important. Because you don't know what 10 hours is going to happen from now. You don't know what or who is going to be taking from you. And the Bible says now is the time of salvation, not later. We have too many people focus on, I'll do it later. It doesn't work like that. At any point, your life could be called of you. And so what are you going to do with that calling? Now is the time. Prepare yourselves now for the things to come. I didn't know I was going to lose one of my, the guys that showed me so much generosity. And as I drove home, I was just thinking of all the things that I'm not prepared for. But one thing I am prepared for is to meet my Savior. Because I know that when I put my hope and trust in Jesus, I have a security in that. My heart aches for students and people who don't know who Jesus is. We had several rededications this week, which is amazing. But I know so many more students who don't know who Jesus is. And I would give my life in an instant because I know where I'm going if I could just give them that security. And many of y'all know that, know people in your lives who don't know who Jesus is. What are you doing to prepare them for what's to come? And so I'm going to end. I'm going to pray. And if something stuck out to you, just come talk to me. It could be a salvation decision, it could be a rededication, it could be a I'm not prepared for something. We want to be a church that walks with you through these things. It is incredibly difficult to put the work in before anything actually happens. But as you put the work in, you will see the fruits of that. Galatians 6-9 is my life verse. Therefore, do not grow tired of doing good, because in the right time you'll reap a great harvest if you don't give up. So prepare for what is going to happen.